0: Seventy-six years is a long wait to come home, but U.S. Army Private Warren DeVault's remains, unidentified in Germany since World War II, are finally returning to Tennessee. DeVault will now get a long-deserved hero's funeral. Last year, his nephew received a call from the army asking for a DNA sample. It would be an understatement to say this call was unusual. Private DeVault was thought to have given the ultimate sacrifice near Hürtgen, Germany, in November 1944. The battle continued, so it was impossible to retrieve and identify the fallen soldiers. But now, through the science of DNA testing, DeVault's remains were identified a few weeks before what would have been his 100th birthday. This hero is coming home for his funeral. It'll take place on August 14th. We as Christians are also waiting to come home. But we know that one day we will dwell with the Lord forever. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. For the last week and a half, we've been looking at stories of faith in a series called war and grace so many stories we've heard over these last days showing us how the lord was at work in the midst of the battlefield soldiers and fighter pilots finding the lord escapees from nazi camps finding refuge in christ but as we continue our series war and grace today we're going to hear the story about a man who was faithful back home right before the fighting broke out
1: during the winter of 35 36 He received 12 warnings from the Nazis about things he said in his sermons. From our point of view, they were just straightforward Bible teaching.
0: Pastor and author, Don Stevens, sharing with his congregation in Liverpool, England, many years ago about the life of Paul Schneider. We'll hear more from him in just a moment. But first, let me remind you about the book that Don wrote called War and Grace. It's a special book filled with wartime biographies like the one we get to hear today, as well as the stories of people like Louis Zamperini and Chaplain Henry Garrick, who shared the gospel with Nazi war criminals and saw some of them even come to faith in Christ. As you read this book, you'll be amazed at how the Lord works to shine light in the darkest of times through people like you and me. I know you'll enjoy this book this summer, just like I have. So would you give us a call after the program? Would you make a gift to Haven today? But be sure and ask for the book, War and Grace. Our number to call in a few minutes is 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online and there you'll find many resources, like the video that we shot with the late Louis Zamperini before he died, and a special blog post on his life. You can experience all of that, make your gift, and get the book when you visit haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And now let's open the program with an Irish group. We've heard them before, we'll hear them again, but today, let's hear from Wren Collective.
2: When I stand accused by my regrets, and the devil rests his empty thread, I will preach the gospel to myself that I am not a man condemned, for Jesus Christ is my defense. My sin is nailed to the cross, my soul is healed by the scars, the way
0: opening with Nailed to the Cross on a program called War and Grace, and that was Wren's Collective. I'm Charles Morris. We started out a moment ago hearing from the late pastor and author Don Stevens. And over the course of many years, this pastor shared with his church in England at their evening services the lives of many Christians that you should know. Well, today we're going to hear from Don once again. He's going to tell us about someone you may have never heard of, but you need to hear of. Pastor
1: and martyr, Paul Schneider. Well, some great Christians are well known, and others have lived and died in virtual obscurity. Paul Schneider was a great Christian, and he's almost unknown. His father was a Reformed and Calvinist pastor of a German village church. Paul was born in a German rural environment in eighteen ninety seven. He left school when he was eighteen in nineteen fifteen and then he spent the next three and a half years in the midst of the bitter fighting of World War One. He became a lieutenant in the heavy artillery and was seriously wounded in the stomach. And by the time he'd recovered from the surgery that horrible war was over. Before the war he'd wanted to be a doctor. After the war He wanted to be a pastor. In 1921, when he was 24, the light of eternal life by faith in Christ entered his soul and he knew true spiritual joy and assurance of salvation for the first time. He rejected liberal theology and he became convinced that the Bible is the word of God. He then went through a full training course for pastors, and by his own choice, he decided to see what the life of a working man was really like. He turned down the offer of a comfortable, well-paid job in a factory, and he chose to become the third man in a gang of workers at a blast furnace. He lived in a hostel, shared their hardships, and he earned their respect. And on the day he left, they said to him, you're now one of us, don't change. In their final moments, there were many who testified that it was Paul Schneider who had led them to a saving faith in Christ.
0: He was an aspiring doctor, but after the First World War, he wanted to be a doctor of souls. He saw many come to the Lord through his pastoral ministry, but as the Second Great War was getting near, Paul Schneider was plunging into persecution, yet he honored the Lord through it all.
1: It was 1934 and the Nazis had just taken power in Germany. There was a brief period of peaceful ministry and then he was asked to go to the neighbouring town to take the funeral of a man he discovered was a Nazi. All went normally at the funeral until the Nazis tried to take over and assert that the dead hooligan had gone to join Horst Vessel's combat brigade in heaven Horst Vessel, by the way, was a Nazi hero who'd been shot in a squabble about a prostitute. Paul Schneider intervened with biblical teaching. The local Nazis were enraged, and he was imprisoned for a week and warned not to be antagonistic to the state. During the winter of 35-36, he received 12 warnings from the Nazis about things he said in his sermons. From our point of view, they were just straightforward Bible teaching. Then he supported a collection for a mission to the Jews. Now, the fanatically anti-Jewish Nazis were infuriated. Schneider's house was broken into... His sermon notes were stolen. Stones were thrown at him. One Nazi infiltrated Schneider's confirmation classes, where the emphasis was on Bible study and learning the catechism, and even this was held against him. He was guilty of teaching faith in Christ alone, to the exclusion of faith in Germany and faith in Nazi beliefs. And then, in 1937... He was arrested in his study. Can you imagine it? He was taken off to Koblenz. He was treated just like a criminal by the Gestapo, the secret police. His photograph was taken, his fingerprints were taken, and then the Nazis banished him from his church. And to make the point, put him in a car drove him outside his area, put him out of of the car, dumped him and told him never to come back near his church. On the principle that we must obey God and not man, he ripped up the Nazi banishment papers and took the first train home. His church, his elders, his presbytery, all stood by him. But by now, Nazi ideology had a grip on the average German It's very hard for us to understand. Paul Schneider acted like any other pastor in charge of two congregations. He preached at one in the morning, and he planned to lead the worship of the other in the evening. But the Nazis had heard he was back, and as he travelled to the evening service, there was the road blocked by cars with flashing lights. He was arrested for not obeying the banishment and for preaching. As he hurriedly took his Bible and his hymn book from his wife, he told her to go back and tell the waiting people that he was their pastor, no matter what the Nazis said or did. Next day, he was back in the prison in Koblenz. He smuggled out letters in the laundry. In one, he says that the so-called German greeting, the Heil Hitler, was a form of idolatry. Another is a poem to celebrate the baptism of his sixth child who'd been born in 1937. And he was told that if he signed a document in which he agreed not to go back to his churches and preach, he could go free. As one man said, his prison was made of paper. Now just think of the temptation to sign that document with a wife and six children to take care of. His wife wrote and asked him how he spent his time in the lonely cell. I'm a pupil in the school of God's word, was the answer. At 40, he was moved into Buchenwald's concentration camp. At every roll call, he was taunted that he could go free if he would only stop opposing Nazi ideology. In April the next year, a fellow prisoner reported him for refusing to salute the Nazi swastika flag. For that, he was whipped 25 times, then thrown into solitary confinement, had to sleep on the floor in an inch of water, and was fed bread and water. As 1939 rolled by, the torture became more intense. Two escaped prisoners were shot out of hand. He saw it and he called out that on Judgment Day he would bear witness to what he had seen. He was hung up for that for several days with his hands tied behind him. This devilish action caused him terrible pain. But try as they did, they couldn't break his spirit His letters are full of faith in the living Christ and reliance on the word of God. And in the end, the starved and beaten man became little more than a broken skeleton with vermin-ridden rags for clothes. Then the camp doctor murdered him with an overdose of a poison. And as he died, the guards kicked him. He was 41. And the beginning of the Second World War was only two months away. That man is among the among the great Christians of all time. He certainly proves that not every German supported Hitler. But the sad truth is that most of those alive at the time did. Later there were others who turned against Hitler. But they, were, they had fought for Hitler until the 1944 bomb plot. And then they only acted when they knew that Germany would lose the war. Whereas Paul Schneider opposed the godless ideology from its very beginnings. Surely the lesson of his faithfulness to Christ needs elaboration from nobody.
0: The story of Paul Schneider, told by the late Pastor Don Stevens, Schneider's story brings to mind so many stories and people from the Bible. The Apostle Paul sat in prison and wrote letters, just like Paul Schneider did by smuggling his lessons out of a Nazi prison. Jesus Christ endured all kinds of brutal violence for the sake of his people. Paul Schneider refused to let the Nazis silence him, and he paid the ultimate price. His faith in what Jesus' death accomplished empowered him to die for the sake of Christ. In one of those letters that the Apostle Paul wrote from prison, his second letter to Timothy, he encouraged the younger disciple to do something that Paul Schneider continued to do. The verse comes in chapter 4, Preach the word in season, out of season meaning when it is accepted and celebrated and when it is hated and persecuted. Paul Schneider lived this call. It was not in season to preach against the Nazis as idolatrous, but Paul Schneider knew he stood before Christ, not men. What about us? Are we more concerned with what people will say about us? Or are we willing to risk everything to share the good news of Jesus in this world? Do we have faith in the Christ that Paul Schneider preached, his spirit can empower us to live our lives to his glory, even if we must suffer in this world. Would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, we've been hearing all of these stories for the past several days, stories from World War I and stories from World War II, stories of people who had faith or found faith, even in the depths of a war so many people being killed well there's still war in our world today Lord and we ask for your hand to be upon us that no matter what circumstances we find our lives in we can remain faithful and true that we can share our faith in Christ with others we can lead others to this faith that they need so desperately today just like in those two world wars of the last century Lord, minister to us now today, through the life of Paul Schneider, through the lives of others, and through the life we share with people as well. We pray this now, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear
3: the heart of heaven beating, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And the hush of mercy breathing Jesus saves, Jesus saves Hear the host of angels sing Glory to the newborn King And the sounding joy repeating Jesus saves See the humblest hearts adore Him, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and the wisest bow before Him, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, see the sky.
0: I say. Travis Cottrell and Jesus Saves here on this Haven today. War and Grace is what we're calling the program. Well, if you're like me, you probably never heard of Paul Schneider. I didn't until this summer. But I'm so glad that we could learn about this special person and his heart to live and die for his Christ, even in the midst of the horrors of war. There's much more to his story, and you can discover that when you read Don Stevens' book, War and Grace, 13 True Stories of Faith Found in this Book. These short biographies will help you trust that the Lord Jesus is always with you in times of peace. And also, in times of war, you need to read War and Grace this July. So, would you call us right now? Would you make a gift to the ministry? And then be sure and ask for the book War and Grace. The number to call now is 800 654 2836. That's 800 65 Haven. Or If you've got a few extra minutes, go online and you'll find resources like the video that we shot with the late Louis Zamperini at his home in the Hollywood Hills a couple of years before he died, and a special blog post on his life. You can experience all of that as well as get the book and make your gift when you come to haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And we just posted another World War II story on our Great Stories podcast it's where we meet up with Ray and Betty Whipps in Portland. They fell in love during World War II in France, but Ray had to survive it if they were to get married. You can hear it there at haventoday.org or wherever you hear your podcasts. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again on Friday we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. The first Adam was created good, righteous, and holy. He had God's image placed upon him. When he sinned, he lost those good gifts. He stained God's image. He plunged the whole human race into that same sad story. Paul argues in Ephesians, this is how we all come into the world. Better education can't fix this. Neither can moral reform. No legislation, no programs can turn back the clock. If the first creation was wrecked, then what is required is nothing less than a new creation. Ephesians says we're created in Christ Jesus. He's the last Adam. Put your faith in him. You'll be created anew, no longer wrecked, but good, righteous, and holy. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.